This is the Liberty NZ Breakfast. And, you know, and I also, what what really drives me nuts is the narrative that I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm just anti-Israeli policy. Well, okay, we can have that debate. Uh, we can certainly have the debate about Israeli policy. That's fine. I, I, nobody's arguing that that debate. But to sit there and try and equate what the IDF is doing now, uh, given what we know that Hamas did on October 7th, I think is uh, missing the forest for the trees, and and I'm going to say it, it screams anti-Semitic in many ways to me. The founder of Hamas's own son, and I'm sure you've heard about this fellow, Mossab Hassan Youssef, has told everybody, uh, and I'm quoting him here when he says this, he says, look at the division and the global confusion because of Hamas. They brought us to our knees somehow by their brutality and their barbarism. Brutality is even understating Hamas's acts. Hamas is a religious movement. They are raging. They are a raging religious movement against Israel. The mainstream media cannot say this because they're afraid to ignite a religious war. And what I say already is they want to annihilate the Jewish people because they are Jewish people. And they want to annihilate the Jewish state because it is a Jewish state. Now that's the sun of the founder of Hamas, and yet I'm supposed to believe some pencil-neck geek that has a uh, ha- has some bone to pick or some axe to grind against the Israeli policy. And that's exactly right. And uh, good on you. That is Steve Hook from TNT Radio. Good on you, Steve. News is next. Uh, you're with Grant Edwards. Welcome to the program. I hope you're uh, having a good morning. Uh, thank you very much for listening, all you people out there on your radio apps. I guess you're driving in your trucks or you know, on your way to work or whatever it is you're doing. Good on you. Working night shift. I hope you have a great morning. We'll have news and weather uh, right through the morning, and I'll be bringing you up to date with what's going on around the world. So uh, just enjoy the program. You know, sometimes, Dan, you're out there criticizing the media, and I want to defend the media, but there is no defense here. This was an atrocious uh, series of mistakes by many different major newsrooms all around the same time on Tuesday. And unfortunately, I don't think there's been enough follow-up or accountability to make sure it doesn't happen again. I've noticed oftentimes in breaking news stories, breaking news scenarios, when information is lowest, interest is highest. And by the time we actually know the facts, people move on. Well, this was one of those cases, but it was even worse because when the stakes are highest, it seems the standards were the lowest and it should be the opposite. The standards should be the highest when the stakes are as high as they are right now. What are you most concerned about in terms of the media coverage that that we've seen so far? I don't know why this was called a strike right away. Why not an apparent explosion? I don't know why reporters went with those huge reports of death, of, of deaths, hundreds of alleged deaths, when it had only been 30 or 60 minutes since the explosion. Common sense would indicate that we didn't know yet how many people might have died. With your hourly news brief, I'm Matt Boyland. The FBI says it's time for Americans to be concerned, warning the war in Gaza could inspire similar Hamas-style terrorist attacks on U.S. soil. On top of the homegrown violent extremists and domestic violent extremist threat, we also cannot and do not discount the possibility that Hamas or another foreign terrorist organization may exploit the current conflict to conduct attacks here 
on our own soil. Speaking before Congress on Tuesday, FBI Director Christopher Wray said multiple foreign terrorist groups had already called for attacks against Americans and the West over the past three weeks. What has now increased is the greater possibility of one of these foreign terrorist organizations uh, directing an attack uh, in the United States. We haven't seen evidence that it's actually happening yet, but what we have seen is one terrorist organization after another calling for attacks. Uh, and so we should we, wake up. It, it is a time to be concerned. Yeah. Uh, we are in a dangerous period. This is not a time for panic, but it is a time for vigilance. The warning from the Pentagon came on the same day. The Pentagon confirmed U.S. forces in the Middle East had been attacked by Iranian proxies 27 times in the past fortnight. Meanwhile, Egypt has slammed Israel's plan to push millions of people in Gaza across the border into Egypt's North Sinai province. It comes after Israel acknowledged that its intelligence ministry had drafted a wartime proposal to transfer Gaza's population. But Egypt's Prime Minister said his country was ready to sacrifice millions of lives to ensure no one encroaches on its territory. In other news, it's been confirmed US President Joe Biden will meet face-to-face -face with Chinese President Xi Jinping in the US later this month. The White House announcing the news on Tuesday, confirming the two leaders will meet on the sidelines of the APEC summit in San Francisco. Without revealing what will be on the agenda, the White House says tough conversations will be had. Intense competition means uh, intense diplomacy. That's what you're going to see. Uh, that's what the president is going to be doing and having, you know, a tough conversation, but important conversation. It's going to be a constructive meeting. The president's looking forward to it. In brief, Russia has warned Israel against attacking Syria. Yemen announced it's joining the war in support of Palestine on Tuesday. And Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has been accused of declaring a holy war on the people of Gaza. It comes as the Israeli leader continues to invoke religious themes in the escalating conflict and tries justifying the killing of Palestinians by likening Hamas to an ancient arch enemy that Israelis were ordered to wipe out in an act of revenge. This is a TNT radio. Encore. From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at TNTradio.live. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Grant Edwards here on Liberty NZ, the Liberty NZ breakfast brought to you courtesy of the wireless. Thank you very much, the wireless, for letting me come and yap for an hour or two or three, perhaps. Just depends how we go. And uh, then it's back to country music. The, today's best country here at the wireless. It's five past five. Good morning to everybody. Wakatani, you've got the highest. Seven, 16 points, almost 17 degrees. Good on you. And the lowest place, the lowest temperature that is, it's 5.8 degrees. Castle Point is the windiest place, 35 kilometres of wind at the moment. And uh, currently the wettest place is nowhere in the country. It's all dry, no rain anywhere apparently, according to Met Service. And the temperatures are looking pretty good. The only ones that are run in the single digits are France Joseph on the west coast of the South Island and Queenstown. They're both on 8 degrees. Everywhere else is in double digits from 10 all the way up to 17 point or nearly 17 degrees so that's pretty good isn't it well done okay let's look at the short forecasts firstly uh, in the west from north into taranaki also the central high country in hawke's bay partly cloudy with scattered showers mainly from the afternoon with maybe some heavy ones though possible thunderstorms as well about hawke's bay for the remainder of the north island cloudy periods isolated showers developing this afternoon and evening for nelson buller and westland often uh, cloudy 
Cloudy cloudies with rain at times. For Marlborough and Canterbury, low cloud or fog near the coast at times, but generally pretty fine elsewhere. A few showers developing this afternoon, but mainly fine inland. For Otago and Southland, Fjordland also there. You've got uh, partly cloudy with areas of fog or low cloud about Southland and eastern Otago this morning. And then patchy rain in Fjordland, if there's anybody there. Scattered showers developing this afternoon. Maybe, uh, is there anyone living there? I don't know. But the last time I went to Fjordland, it was just all bush with a bit of a bit of water coming in. Apparently, uh, Russian subs come in and, and um, they get their clean water. There's, there's areas there where they can get fresh water, apparently. I think it's Fjordland, is it? Something, was it Marlborough? Oh, it might not be there. It might be somewhere else. Getting confused. I've been reading um, Investigate magazine. I think Ian Wishart did something on that. Apparently, these fishermen had seen some subs. Got a bit of a fright, just about <laughs> ended up on top of a submarine. Uh, anyway, maybe they were degausing or whatever. Uh, anyway, yeah, we'll get back to the weather. Back to the weather, boy. Okay, mate, let's get back to the weather. So we're back at um, Otago, Southland and Fjordland, and we've got some scattered showers developing in the afternoon today. Some of them may be heavy and possibly thunderstorms as well with all that warm weather. And the Chathams, well, what have you got today? You've just got low cloud with occasional rain. Let's look ahead to Friday. Is it Thursday today? Yes, it is. Goodness gracious, when you live alone, you don't know what the days are, especially when you're self-employed, you just, every day is a work day. In the North Island tomorrow, uh, you've got uh, periods of rain turning to showers and then clearing later. Down in the South Island, you've got showers in the west and you've got a few showers developing elsewhere. Some of them will be heavy. On Saturday for the weekend, North Island partly cloudy with a few showers in the west, fine in the east. And in the South Island Saturday, you've got rain on in the west, You've got a few showers developing in the east, and you've got a southerly change. On Sunday, the last day, the Lord's Day, <laughs> not the Sabbath, quite different. Uh, the North North Island, you've got mainly fine weather, but a, a few isolated showers in the west, from Taramanui to Kapiti. Oh, gosh, did I pronounce that wrongly? I did. Sorry, Taramanui uh, to Kapiti. Also in the South Island on Sunday, you've got rain in the west. You've got a few showers in Otago, Canterbury, Marlborough, but mainly fine elsewhere. Chatham's, your long-range forecast is for rain with northerlies on Friday and Saturday. Partly cloudy with uh, light showers on Sunday. That is your news. We'll go to Radio New Zealand and see what's happening on the front pages there. It's eight past five. We've had 200 years to replace fossil fuels and been unable to do it. You know, they come up, well, renewables are going to replace fossil fuels. Well, renewables only generate electricity. Wind generates electricity. Sun generates electricity. Wind turbines, solar panels can manufacture nothing for society. In fact, if you look back at it, all the parts of wind turbines, all the parts of solar panels, is all made with the derivatives manufactured from crude oil. The basic problem is they don't understand the definition of energy. Electricity can charge your iPhone, but it can't make your iPhone. It can make the defibrillator in the hospital work, but it can't make the defibrillator. You know, take a look in your house, take a look at your workplace, take a look at the hospital. Try and identify something that was not made with fossil fuels. That's the problem. There is no backup plan. They're so motivated to go to zero emissions, they're forgetting the one basic fact. All the 6,000 products we have in our daily lives, communications, electronics, the medical industry, on and on and on. It's all made with fossil fuels. Also in this hour, we're going to be uh, hearing from Dr. Sherry Trotter. She's fantastic. She's up in arms about the Maori Party supporting Hamas terrorists, and it seems that's what they're doing. It's uh, shocking. So we're going to hear from her. She's did a very good... Um, it was terrific on social media, and someone sent me a copy of that, so that's fantastic. Also, we'll hear from uh, British Colonel Kemp as well about just how how um, moral and how the Israeli Defence Force look after the rights 
of civilians, better than any other army in the world. And all the nonsense that's coming out of Gaza, uh, it's absolute Hollywood, Palestinian Hollywood. It's called Pallywood. Just go and look it up. Go on YouTube. It's all there. Um, if it's not there, it'll be on Rumble. Uh, there's just there's absolute propaganda coming out of there. They've been doing it for decades, and they're just being held there by other other Arab countries, who and they're just being used as basically prisoners. It's like a smart city. It's actually a dumbed ghetto, and they're being held there to fight against the Israelis because the the Hamas want. This is in their general charter. This is a political party that 80% of Palestinians voted for, and so they they support Hamas. And so they want the destruction of all Jews from the river Euphrates to the Mediterranean Sea. They want them all gone. And then when they've finished with them, they're coming after you. Because they want to turn this whole world into an Islamic global state. That's what they're after. Okay, um, now that I've just had that little rant, I'll be back in a minute. Here's General Kemp now. Just Just listen to this guy. When the infamous Goldstone Report excoriated Israel and exonerated Hamas, UN Watch fought the report and changed the debate. I'm the former commander of British forces in Afghanistan. I served with NATO and the United Nations, commanded troops in Northern Ireland, Bosnia and Macedonia, and participated in the Gulf War. Mr. President, based on my knowledge and experience, I can say this. During Operation Cast Lead, the Israeli Defense Forces did more to safeguard the rights of civilians in a combat zone than any other army in the history of warfare. When Colonel Kemp's speech went viral, UN Watch continued to campaign against the Goldstone Report and Judge Goldstone retracted. Okay, coming up 11 past 5, there you go. It's from the horse's mouth. And also, um, when we hear of uh, stories about um, Palestinian homes being bulldozed by the Israeli Defence Force, do you know what that's about? That's terrorists. That's the parents of terrorists who've gone and blown themselves up, suicide bombers. The Israelis have said, we'll find out who you are, who your parents are, and we'll destroy their home. We will actually bulldoze their home. And they did that to stop the terrorists from blowing themselves up in Jewish cafes and the like. And it worked. This was before the big fence went up. They were just coming in and blowing themselves up. And what a good way to do it. Pretty clever. That's because Jews have the highest IQ rate in the world. They're smart. And that's why you hate them. That's why a lot of you people hate, hate the Jews. You hate them. For, in fact, sometimes you don't even know why you hate them. I've got a friend, Dennis, his sister. She's now passed away. But his sister used to hate the Jews. And he'd say, why? And she couldn't give him a proper answer. Many people don't know why they hate them. I think it's because they're intelligent. God's gifted them with high intelligence. The Ashkenazi Jew, which is basically just a European Jew, who's, and their descendants, their forefathers, they, they uh, escaped from Israel. That's what it's called, Palestine. The name was changed. By the, by the Romans, in AD 70, Titus and his legions sacked Jerusalem. And the Jews were scattered right throughout the world, all through Europe. They're the descendants of the 12 tribes who God promised that land to, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not Abraham and Ishmael, the Egyptian handmaiden. This war goes back three three and a half thousand years, actually. Israel's right, 2,000 years to when Titus was, but three and a half thousand years ago, God commanded uh, Joshua to invade the Canaanites because of their 
despicable behavior. He'd warned them over and over again. And God used their enemies to destroy them, to invade them and take over that land because they disobeyed God. They went against him and he gave them warning after warning, long suffering. And then he used their enemies. He used the children of Israel to attack them and take over that land. And it's promised from Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and their descendants, not not the Jewish, the um, the Egyptian handmaiden, Hagar, who had Ishmael, who was the father of the Arabs. This war is a war between two half brothers, and a real estate transaction that God was the set law, and He gave it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the people, the people that are against Israel right now are against God. They not only hate the Jews, they hate God. Most of them are leftist um, atheists who are against Israel. And our government, there's a, there's a Bible promise that says, those whom bless you, God will bless. That's the Israelis the Jewish people from the whole world out in the diaspora wherever you bless the Jew God will bless you you curse them which is what the New Zealand government is doing right now this little caretaker government with Chippy wanting the well God if you bless them God will bless you if you curse them God will curse you that is and you won't make a liar out of God so New Zealand is in big trouble because we want the removal of the Israeli ambassador and the ambassador of the United States to be removed from from our country. Absolutely despicable. And I'll right now, before I do anything, I'm going to play you Dr. Sherry Trotter, a New Zealand doctor. Have a listen to her. I was extremely disappointed to hear the Radio New Zealand interview today with Te Party Māori leader Debbie Ngāru Apaka. The struggle with Hamas is not about colonization. Israel completely left Gaza in 2005, completely left every Israeli, every Jewish settlement, was forcibly removed by Israel so they could hand control over to the people of Gaza. They were effectively giving the Gazans their rangatiratanga. And what happened? They voted into power Hamas, a terrorist entity, who took over Gaza and turned it into a terrorist enclave. Who is Hamas? Hamas is connected to the Muslim Brotherhood. It's a radical Islamist group that shares the values of the Muslim Brotherhood. It is backed by Iran and funded by Qatar. There are similar movements throughout the Middle East. They're connected to Hezbollah in the north who are currently firing on Israel. They all have the same ideology. Their goal is to annihilate Israel. It is written in their charter. That is their goal. That is what they've been trying to do for the past 16 years. That is what they were trying to do on the 7th of October. They went into Jewish communities with the intention to kill as many Jews as possible. That is genocide. To compare what Hamas is doing with what the IDF is doing is morally reprehensible. Hamas has in its charter their desire to annihilate Israel. They are a radical Islamist group. 
That's what they're trying to do. Israel believes in the principles, the value of life. They do everything possible to save civilian life. They never target civilians. They target terrorist infrastructure. They warn civilians. They try to allow civilians to leave. What we have seen in the last couple of weeks is the difference between Hamas that uses its people as human shields and Israel that tries to protect civilian lives, the lives of its own people, as well as the lives of the Palestinians. Israel gave warning to the people to leave because they were going to target terrorist infrastructure. Hamas set up roadblocks to stop their own people from leaving. Why is that? Because Hamas is a radical Islamist group that does not value life, does not value the lives of its own people. They use their people as human shields. They store their weapons in hospitals, in schools. To compare the two is morally reprehensible. To accuse Israel of genocide, colonization and apartheid as Debbie has done, is reality inversion. There is no apartheid in Israel. 20% of the population are Arabs. They have equal rights. They have the same freedoms as every other person in Israel. They're successful in society. They're in all parts of society. They are doctors, lawyers, judges, teachers, right throughout society. The only apartheid you will see is in Gaza and in some parts of the West Bank where Jews are forbidden to enter and if they do, they risk being killed. That is the only apartheid that actually exists in Israel. Israel is not committing genocide. Hamas has committed genocide. Israel does not support apartheid. Hamas does and some of the Palestinian territories do. They want to cleanse the entire area of Jews, that's what the river to the sea means. It's a call for genocide. It is the Jews who are the indigenous people of the land. They have more than a three and a half thousand year continuous connection with that land. It is the land where their unique culture, their religion, their language developed. The Arabs are in fact indigenous to Arabia. Jews have experienced all the struggles of indigenous peoples, expulsion from their land, dispossession, persecution, pogroms, and yet they have managed to be restored to their ancient ancestral homeland. This should be an inspiration for indigenous peoples, and in fact has been an inspiration to Māori, especially from the 19th century even to today. Many Māori resonate with the story of the Israelites. You look at uh, some of our Māori prophetic movements like Ratana, Iharaira, Ringatū, there is a strong connection to Israel, which is there even to today. The only people to have ever had sovereignty in the land are the Jewish people. They have three times had sovereignty in that land prior to 1948. It is their ancestral homeland, and the Arabs of that period recognised it and acknowledged it. The kind of inflammatory rhetoric that the Māori Party is spouting is irresponsible. Calling Israel evil is demonising, and dehumanizing, and it has a direct impact on the lives of Jews everywhere. 
small Jewish community in New Zealand is a vulnerable community and they are being subject to targeting, to intimidation because of this kind of rhetoric that is not based on history or fact but actually is Hamas propaganda. I call on the Māori Party to look into the history, to hear the other side of the story, to meet with Jewish people to understand what they are experiencing right now. They have just experienced the worst slaughter in one day since the Holocaust. That is Dr. Sherry Trotter, New Zealand doctor. And uh, I'm very proud of her. Good on you. Good on you for speaking up. It's 24 minutes past five, and in a moment we're going to hear from a, a terrorist, a Hamas terrorist leader's son, Youssef. He's going to be up very shortly. Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. Leaderships of the Palestinian people, my people by the way, and I have the authority to say this, if they disown me, if they label me as a traitor, they can say whatever they want to say. I sacrificed a lot for the sake of Palestine, of Islam, even of Hamas. I spent 27 months in Israeli prisons. I grew up witnessing the first Palestinian Intifada, and I had no idea what was going on. As a child, I was fed with hatred that Israel was our enemy, and Israel was the source of our suffering. While the Palestinian leaderships, from Yasser Arafat to Mahmoud Abbas to Abu Jihad, all of them were sitting in Tunisia, spending billions of dollars. In the meantime, they were sending children to die, throwing stones, facing Israeli soldiers. I was one of them. They used us. They sent us to the slaughterhouse. They wanted us to die. The shepherd thought, how many sheep I'm going to sacrifice today to get the attention of the world so maybe we get some more funds. So they decided to slaughter a hundred sheep, two hundred sheep. Then Hamas came later on, twenty years later. And they did the same thing, using children and women as a human shield in Gaza Strip. Then we have now a new mask for the shepherd and written on it BDS to manipulate the international community, create, create chaos. They're very good at doing that. Whether you call it intifada, you create chaos, in a state of chaos, you distract everybody, and the thief knows how to find a way. Same thing now, on a global scale. They are manipulating the friends of Israel, the only democracy in the Middle East, the only true democracy. While the shepherd, by the way, is not legitimate anyway. You know, somebody, they sit here in this house of shame, I agree with you. Uh, Mr. Daniel, I agree. They don't represent the Palestinian people anyway. 
Who are you representing? The Palestinians in the West Bank or the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip? You are representing greed. Wearing the mask with what so-called Palestinian cause. You're a liar. You're a Lucifer. And at some point, you will be unmasked. If they were sincere and truthful in their approach towards peace, they would go and educate the Palestinian people, first of all, of the actual history, not their history, to compare Israel to apartheid of the uh, South uh, Africa. This is no comparison. The state of Israel, I know terrorists when I spent time in prison who had blood on their hands of Jewish people and they had the right to go to schools and study and achieve higher degrees from Israeli schools. In Jerusalem, the Israeli government give the Muslims the right to worship on Temple Mount and in the meantime does not give the right to the Jewish people to practice their religious freedom on Temple Mount. Me uh, saying it uh, uh, somewhere else. The sheep thinks that the shepherd their best friend. The shepherd provides water, food, and creates the illusion for the sheep that it's protector. Sometimes wearing a mask, a political mask, in the West Bank, or Tunisia, or other locations, sometimes wearing an ideological and religious mask in Gaza or maybe other capitals of the Arab world. They have their own way to deceive the sheep and make the sheep dependent on them. But unfortunately, by the time the sheep realized that the shepherd was not their best friend, or the protector of their interest, they're already in the slaughterhouse. This is the reality of what's happening in the Middle East. That is the reality. That is the son of, uh, I think his name is Yusuf. Can't, um, can't remember the last name. I didn't write it down, sorry. But uh, he is the son of a Hamas terrorist leader. And uh, he's got a price on his head. Uh, when we come back, we'll go to Radio New Zealand and see what the uh, fake stream media are going to dish up for us today, and we'll try and distill it. They've all but given up hope for the for the hostages, I think. Um, a lot of people speculated that the reason Israel hadn't gone in as of yet was because they were doing some back-channel negotiations for hostages. We even heard rumor that uh, Vladimir Putin was personally involved in some of these negotiations. I don't know the truth of that, but I do know that obviously Israel delayed going into Gaza at least on the ground, um, for some reason. And I'm sure there's probably a myriad reasons why they, why they delayed. They want optimal, um, time to soften that place up. They also probably are trying to get some hostages out. But with this, it looks like the hostages have been all but kind of 
forgotten. I, I, I hate to say forgotten, but kind of given up on. And uh, that's that's a dangerous scenario. So we'll have to follow that as well, obviously. Yes, we will. OK, 29 minutes past five and uh, we'll go to Radio New Zealand right now. And uh, we've also got a bit of music. I've got a nice little tune coming up for you after this before we go to News Hub. Uh, but right now, Radio New Zealand and uh, their front page is limited Gaza evacuations to be allowed after the Qatar broker deal. There's been a, a deal brokered in Qatar. They have uh, mediated an agreement between Israel, Egypt and Hamas in coordination with the United States. Uh, which will allow a limited evacuation of the besieged Gaza. Uh, that's according to a source briefed on the deal told to Reuters on Wednesday. Uh, other front page news is AI news. Scientists are excited by a tool that grades the severity of a rare cancer. Artificial intelligence is nearly is twice as good as it was at grading the aggressiveness of a rare form of cancer from scans as the current method according to a study. And New Zealand firefighters are to fly to aid as Queenstown residents flee the wildfires. It's getting very serious now. They can't even, they can't even, they're told now just to, to just hunker down. They, it's too dangerous to even try and escape the flames. So we'll look at that in a moment as well. Israel says strikes on refugee camp killed Hamas leader. Palestinian officials say 50 people did, but you can't rely on that because it's Hollywood. Hollywood and Palestine. It's called Pallywood. Just look it up and go and see what they do. Uh, there's a real journalist. There's no proper journalist in Palestine at the moment. If, there are, if they are telling the truth, they'd be killed. Israeli airstrikes have hit the densely populated refugee camp. This is according to Radio New Zealand, who are leftists and uh, God-hating and Israeli-hating. Uh, and, and just like the BBC is and everybody else, they're all against, they hate the Jews. And it's just, a, just an unhealthy just a crazy situation, and they are spreading absolute lies about the Israeli Defence Force. And uh, there's nothing we can do about it. We've just all we can do is just be valiant for the truth. Anyway, they say here that uh, at least 50 Palestinians have been killed, according and the the Hamas commander. Uh, but yeah, that's as well. So you can pr- pretty much, I mean, obviously in a war, the truth is the first casualty. That's how war operates. But usually with Israel, they just don't comment on things. They don't actually go out of the way and tell lies and they've got a very Israel has a very robust fourth estate not like we've got here in New Zealand which is all media you know government controlled in Israel they if the government's not doing something right they are onto them so you know don't worry about that now in Afghan uh, Afghan refugees they're in big trouble they fear as Pakistan prepares to deport uh, thousands of Afghans living in Pakistan they race to the border on Tuesday that is yesterday, our time, isn't it? Yes, yesterday New Zealand time, ahead of the uh, deadline, which is going to be at midnight, for undocumented foreigners to leave the country. Otherwise, they're going to be arrested and deported. And uh, they've got to go back now to the place that uh, they escaped from when uh, the Americans pulled out in 2021. U.S. Army Reserve family raised alarm about Marine shooter weeks before the attack, apparently, in, in the United States. Five months before the U.S. Army Reserves shot dead 18 people at a bar and a bowling alley in Lewiston, Maine, his family contacted the local sheriff's office to say they were concerned about his behaviour. And Gaza aid distribution struggles amid overcrowding, debris and a lack of fuel, uh, distribution of food and medical supplies are faltering in the Gaza area. Residents are now desperate for essentials like bread, 
according to officials. And they're being trapped there. They're not allowed to get out. They won't. The Egyptians. The Egyptians say they'll kill them if they try and come through at uh, the, the the border there. And we heard that in the news earlier, didn't we? They will. They are prepared to sacrifice millions. They will not um, take them in, and yet they should because they they are basically Egyptians. The people they're held there, they're held there in a sort of a proxy war. They're being used as uh, as as tools, just brainwashing them in the schools. Gaza Elementary Schools teaches them to hate the Jews. It's the it's a religion based on the hatred of the Jewish people, and that's why Hitler used Husseini who's Yasser Arafat's uncle during the Second World War. He had a meeting with him and said, this is not a war of boundaries. This is a war of the annihilation of the Jewish people. And that's what we're dealing with. Anyway, more than 50 homes have lost in Queenstown, uh, Queensland blaze. Emergency warnings for New South Wales. More than 80 bushfires have been burning across uh, Queensland, destroying more than 50 homes, while New South Wales is under the threat from 10 emergency level fires. Now New Zealand, the New Zealand vote on Gaza at the United Nations is consistent with long-standing position according to Chris Hipkins. New Zealand remains aligned to its Five Eyes partners, I don't know how they can do that, while voting uh, for the UN resolution for a ceasefire between Gaza and Israel. And that's according to the uh, caretaker, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins. And uh, you, you curse Israel and God will curse you, son. You bless Israel, and God will bless you. We will not make a liar out of God. When the Bible says something, it always comes true. Hamas says it fires on Israeli sources, forces rather, pressing ground assault. Hamas says its militants in Gaza fired anti-tank missiles at Israelis invading forces, while Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu dismissed the calls for a halt to fighting. Can't. Can't do that. Not now. You've got to get those people. You have to get those terrorists that slaughtered your people. And it is a holocaust. And Chris Bishop, he's number three for the National Party. He's dead right in his internal emails. He, he's comparing what happened on October the 7th when the Muslim terrorists came in and slaughtered innocent women and children and took hostages, over 230. Only four, of, four have been released. And he's absolutely right. It is, it is an atrocity. 1,400 people, non-combatants. I think out of those, I think there was two or 300 soldiers that were trying to defend. I don't know what, what went on there. I don't know how that could possibly happen. But you, you've got to remember, Israel is surrounded by its enemies. When they came back into the land that God had promised them in 1948 and set up the state, eight Arab nations attacked them. In the Six-Day War, which Israel won, and I believe that was absolutely miraculous. I think you had between six and eight Arab nations attacking them then. They won that war in six days. And then in 1973, in the Yom Kippur War, they won that as well. My Jewish friends here, a little bit older than me, jumped straight on the plane, went straight to Israel to fight. They've called in reservists for Israeli. Israel has called in reservists 150%. They've got more people. They've got people in their 90s that are there want to, want to fight because they've got nowhere else to go. Israel is their home. You heard Dr. Sherry Trotter. She's absolutely right. Israel is the home of the Jews. There's never been a Palestinian state in history, ever. The Romans changed the name of 
Israel to Palestine to try and rid Israel from the map because the Romans, they were enemies of God, pagan Romans, enemies of the God of the Bible, idolaters, pagans. And now you've got Roman Catholicism, which is basically a blend of paganism and Christianity. And of course, the two don't go, night and dark don't go together. Good and evil don't go together. It's, a, it's just a contradiction in terms to be a Roman and a Catholic. Catholic means the international church. A Roman is paganism. comes from Babylon, ancient Babylonian goddess worship. And that's what you do. If you're in the Roman Catholic Church, you're commanded in Revelations, the last book of the Bible, get out. Get out of here, my brethren. There are Christians in there disobeying God. Shouldn't be in there. Get out of it. Not, it's not where God wants you. You read the Bible, read it for yourself. Don't listen to what the priest tells you it says. Just read it. Words have meanings. God wrote the Bible. He's the author of it. I mean, when I wrote letters, I didn't write them myself. I had my secretary write them. But I was the author. 66 books, 44 writers. God is the author. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. Every word in that book is from the mouth of God. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He said, the words that I say unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Okay. Friends of a star devastated by Matthew Perry's death. The cast of friends have said that they are utterly devastated by the loss of their fellow star, Matthew Perry, who died age 54 in a spa pool. Okay. Now, um, fossil fuel. 2050 is far too late to reach the carbon zero report. Absolute nonsense, isn't it? Fossil fuel, which is just, just, it's not even, and the word fossil's nonsense anyway, because you can make fuel, it doesn't take millions of years. It doesn't take millions of years at all. It all happened after the flood 3,400 years ago. That's what we've got there. There's, there's so much, or there's almost, there's almost as much uh, oil as there is water on the earth, and there's no shortage of it, and it's very, it's natural. Netanyahu denounces the new Hamas hostage video as a cruel propaganda. The video shows three of the hostages seized by the Islamist movement on October the 7th. Israeli forces attack Gaza's main city from both sides. Israeli troops uh, and tanks attack Gaza's main northern city from both sides. And uh, after three days, uh, they began a major ground offensive, right? So they're in there now and they're, taking, they're, doing, a, uh, they're doing the best they can. Terrible situation. Hamas won't let people go. They've got their, they've got their, um, their leaders. They're, they're positioning. They're using women and children as human shields. It's a very difficult situation for anyone, but uh, I don't think there's anyone that could do this better than the Israelis. You heard from Richard Kemp, the colonel. He said that they look after the rights and, and freedoms of non-combatants, of citizens, better than any other army in the world. And he should know. All right, what are we up to now? Gosh, 22, 20 to 6, and I'm not even, I'm not even sort of got started. Look, we'll be back, back in a minute. How about a nice love song for, for couples? I, I think we need that. A love song for couples. Here we go. It's a love song uh, for people who have been in love a long time, as opposed to people who have first met, which are most love songs. get kind of tedious when you're listening to them if you're in a long-term relationship. Even when you meet your friend and he's telling you about how wonderful this girl is and they've met and she's the one for me and she's so much fun and he really listens, understands me. And you're going, yeah, we know, we know. It's called love. You'll get over it. 
And when you do, come back to me then and we'll see how wonderful she is. So this is a love song for people who have been together for a long time. It's got a little bit of a country feel. Here we go. Being with you is like being alone, except you're here. We don't talk anymore. Thank God. <laughs> Sometimes you talk to me when we're watching TV, but I don't listen. It's not that I don't love you, it's just hard to keep up that level of enthusiasm. <laughs> but I'd like to thank you for doing all my washing. You're really good at tidying up. There's no way I could have done all that ironing. And I love it. When you shut up <laughs> But when your friends come over They don't realize That there is two of you One of them is nice While the other one It's a fucking psycho. That's far too short. Far too short. Didn't have time to do what I needed to do. Okay, we are on News Hub now. Let's go to News Hub. I was actually just looking at a story about the um, the latest data from the mental health charity that's found that children as young as five are battling with their body image and eating disorders. Uh, I haven't even looked at this, but we'll just have a crack at it because we're here now. So the youth-focused mental health charity, I Am Hope, revealed the findings on Wednesday, uh, providing a sobering insight into the challenges face of our, uh, facing our youth today. It, uh, the data shows it's a Gumboot Friday platform. Now, who was running that Gumboot thing? Wasn't it that Mike King was running that, wasn't it? Gumboot platform is based on more than 4,150 requests for counselling. The data found anxiety as the primary stressor among young people in today's society, with 69% of people uh, seeking help through the platform dealing with anger and family issues, and 89% of people struggling with eating disorders. Good grief. This is Mike King. Yes, he says, while we were aware of the increased prevalence of eating disorders that truly surprised us, it was the age at which uh, children are now grappling with body image. So... That story's over at um, a news hub there. I just looked at it. I thought I'd just read it with you uh, for the first time. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, that is that is bad news. But um, the trouble is they're going to put them on drugs. If they've got eat, eating disorders or if they've got mental issues, they'll put them on drugs, and it's the worst thing they can do. You're better off going down to the health shop and just getting some vitamins or something like that and get out and do something. And lay off the, lay off the sugar and the carbohydrates. That's really the, one of the major problems. Uh, for people, and um, you really just too, we eat far too many carbohydrates. I just can't can't get over how how much better I feel uh, just 
reducing my carbohydrates now. Uh, I don't even have, I used to have a beer and I've stopped doing that. And I tell you what, I've, I'm really improving a lot. Um, my aches and pains, because I'm an old guy, my aches and pains are going. Um, a lot of the ailments that I had, you know, five months ago, gone. Can't get over it. So um, one of the people that I would recommend you go and l- you have listened to about this is um, Jordan Peterson. And, uh, you know, he's a pretty cluey, cluey guy, isn't he? So have a listen to him and see what he says. Uh, what are we up to now? It's um, 16 minutes to 6, I think it is. Gosh, it's a bit hard to see that clock with the white face and silver hands. Anyway, so I think that's what it is. So we're on the front page of um, Stuff, no Hub, News Hub at the moment. Paddy Gower. Now, this is, I don't normally read his stuff because I don't really like looking at him. But anyway, <laughs> anyway he, he reveals that 40% of nurses are from overseas. As Kiwi, as Kiwi student nurses, they're struggling to graduate. Now, why would you think that would be? It's just outrageous. I just can't believe that, that this has been allowed to happen in our country. News Hub can reveal that 40% of all nurses registered here in New Zealand are currently from overseas, the highest rate ever seen in this country. But New Zealand Nurses Organisation President Anne Daniel, she wants to see better support for nursing students in New Zealand. Of course, they didn't say New Zealand, did they? Especially as one in three are dropping out, mainly due to the financial struggle of unpaid placements. They're placing them and they're not paying them. I mean, if you're an apprentice, you still get paid, don't you? According to uh, Daniels, finance is the biggest problem for nurses. The dropout rate is about one in three, and that's totally unacceptable. That was, uh, was in the latest episode of Patty Gower has, Gower has Issues. Now, the high dropout rate means that New Zealand is highly reliant on internationally qualified nurses known as IQNs. And it has, it has her worried. She says that we have a real problem with the reliance on IQNs from overseas. And it's going to continue and is going to reduce the impetus of the government and also the Health, um, health New Zealand. We'll call it that. They've called it T-Watt or something. Uh, anyway, so to combat this, Daniels, who's been nursing in New Zealand for decades, she's calling on nursing students to be paid while on placements so that more Kiwis actually graduate. She said it's a very much a sort of a sex discrimination because female it's a female-dominated health workforce is actually discriminated against. And it would be only fair to give them a, a living wage, just like all the other apprentices. They're getting it, aren't they? Paddy Gower has issues. Latest investigation looks into why that we're importing so many nurses when we already have keen students here, but they're struggling to graduate. To become a registered nurse, you have to complete at least 1,100 hours of clinical placements, which is unpaid. We talked to several Bachelor of Nursing students with the, the, doing this course, and they all said the same thing. It's a financial struggle. One of them, Amelia Leslie, she says that we don't get anything during our placement. It's hard, she says. It causes a lot of stress, and it makes it very difficult for us. A second-year student, uh, Ella McIlvray, she agrees. She's struggling in a part-time job at Spates at the Alehouse, but she's still got to do her 40 hours a week of unpaid placements just to get by. She said it's exhausting. She said, I mean, I have a lot of things. You've got a lot of stuff on your plate, and you can get burned out very quickly. The other day, my watch, uh, I had my watch on, and it told me that I was standing for 17 hours. 
Now, Daniels, that's the nurse that came through. She tells you what it was, what it used to be like. She said, when she studied as a nurse, it was through the nursing school where she lived on site, and her accommodation, meals, and uniform were all supplied for free. As an undergraduate nurse, I was paid as well, and it was recognised that the work that I did, even though I was a student, it was still work. So we were paid. And that was the way it should be. That was the way it was, and that's the way it should be. So that's uh, just unbelievable. However, in 1970, nursing education was moved to universities and polytechnics. And when it moved, housing, accommodation, food, uniforms, and pay stopped. Nurses' homes closed, and that was a big mistake, according to Daniels. So both Leslie and McElvray, they agree. They also want to see a better financial support for students, because they're working 40 hours a week on placements and it's almost impossible to fit in a part-time job that's paying, let alone study for exams. That's why one in three are dropping out. It would make all the difference. So, you know, we've got to do something about that. That's why I've got all these imported nurses. And New Zealanders want to be looked after by New Zealanders. We do. We don't want a whole lot of foreigners looking after us. They don't have the same empathy for us. So we've got to do something about that. So you know that should really have been on, on you know Winston Peters, with the New Zealand First is, is talking about his forty-seven. Uh, I don't I don't really go for him because he never never follows through on anything. But they are quite good when I was reading through. But that should have been one of them. Okay, um, what have we got now? We have we've talked about the Maori Party and their calls for the U.S. ambassador to um, to be expelled from New Zealand. And also the Israeli ambassador, which is uh, shocking. We'll just have a, a quick look at that. But we heard, I think we heard, um, we heard from Dr. Sheree Trotter, which I think she was very good. National leader and the incoming prime minister, Christopher Luxon, uh, says that he has warned one of his senior MPs to be careful with his language. You, you wimp. You wimp, Luxon. Regarding the conflict in the Middle East after an email was made public with Chris Bishop likening the actions of Hamas, which are a terrorist organisation, to the Holocaust. Absolutely right. Lux, it's worse in some, in some, in the, um, some cases. Lux, except for the volume. Um, Luxon has reiterated New Zealand's call for a humanitarian pause in Gaza, which, you, which cannot happen, but said that he hadn't... I mean, Israel have been so long-suffering in this, and now they've got to, they've got to destroy them. They've killed 1,400 of their people. What would King David do? He would, have, he would have just slaughtered every single Muslim terrorist because they're all Muslims, aren't they? They're not militants. Don't believe that nonsense. They're, they're terrorists. Luxon has reiterated New Zealand's call for humanitarian pause in Gaza, but he hasn't seen any advice suggesting Israel isn't respecting international law. Absolutely right. But the Maori Party, meanwhile... They want the expulsion uh, of not just the Israeli ambassador to New Zealand, but also the U.S. ambassador until the ceasefire is implemented. As if anyone's going to listen to you, Rawiti. The conflict compelled New Zealanders to, to march on the weekend. They weren't New Zealanders that were marching on the weekend. They were stupid people. They were terrorist people that, that um, support terrorism. And a lot of Muslims were marching, and a lot of leftist, stupid people. People like Minto, John Minto, 
I don't know whether Billy Tekeheka did, but he thinks that is that um, Israel is an apartheid state. Absolute nonsense. We've just we've heard that from Dr. Sherry Trotter, New Zealand doctor, and we've also heard that from the son of an Islamic terrorist, Hamas terrorist himself. You can do anything you want in Israel. There's Arabs in the Israeli Defence Force. They're an integral part of Israel. But you can't have terrorists. And terrorists, they're all through Gaza. If I was the Prime Minister of Israel, I would be calling, I would be making sure that everyone, I would completely take over Gaza. Because it doesn't belong to them. It doesn't belong to those Arabs. It belongs to Israel. It's promised to them. Yep, you just got to read your Bible. But if you don't want to read your Bible, you know, as a Christian, if you're a Christian, Billy Tekeheka, you've got no business calling Israel an apartheid state. Those who bless you, I will bless. Those whom curse you, I will curse. So you've just brought a curse on yourself, Billy. Shame on you and everybody else that's supporting Palestinian terrorists. They're not even Palestinians. They're Arab Muslims. Luxon told AM television program on Wednesday morning that he supports Israel's right to defend itself. He said, we are absolutely condemned the attacks by Hamas, unprovoked barbaric barbaric uh, terrorist uh, attacks on Israel. Uh, we We defend Israel's right to defend itself, but we expect all parties to be in compliance with international law and obligations. And he hasn't seen anything that says Israel's not doing that. One of his senior MPs took the defence of Israel a step further. Bishop replied to an email, Hamas terrorists butchered women and children in a rampage of violence and hate. Now he got into trouble for that sentence. It's, it's, it's an understatement in my opinion. He goes on to describe some of the actions of Hamas and says that such barbarity has not been seen since the Holocaust. What's wrong with that? But, but uh, he said, I've spoken to Chris about this. It's strong language. But there are strong emotions on all sides of this debate. You're such a wimp, Luxon. You're such a globalist tool. Asked if the email was appropriate, Luxon said, well, look, my conversation with him went like this. I think that you've got to be a bit more careful about that language. You absolute dick. The Maori Party leader, Rauriti Waititi, was it Rauriti Waititi? He's calling on New Zealand to take a stronger stance. Well, you would do. You left us half-wit a stronger stance on Israel's actions. He said it's been very, very weak. When they say Israel has the right to defend itself, they don't have the right to defend themselves against 4,000 children who have died. You can't believe half the stuff that's coming out of the Palestinian Authority anyway. But he is. He is because he hates God and he hates God's children. That's why. He's a pagan. He's a Maori pagan. He's, He's... picking up his pagan goddess worship and god worship, idol worship. He's an idolater. So he goes on to say, they don't have the right to defend themselves when you've got white phosphorus in densely populated areas. This is not self-defense, this is genocide. So him and Patrick Henderson from TNT Radio, they make a good make good pals, wouldn't they? Luxon said he hasn't seen any advice to say Israel is not meeting its international obligations. But what I have seen is obviously concern with what I see on the TV and the images we all see. 
but you can't always trust what you're seeing on the TV. My mother used to say, believe nothing of what you hear and only half of what you see. Waititi is calling on the government to demand an immediate ceasefire, and as if, as if they're going to listen to us. I mean, geez, this, these guys live in cuckoo land. It was as if New Zealand would have any... They don't even know where we are. <laughs> we just live in a fool's paradise down here. We just think we live in the bestest little country in the world. We're actually deluded. It's a fool's paradise. And it's not until you go and visit, you go outside of this country, and you just see how bad it is that you realise what a great country we have, and then you realise what the leftists are doing, have been doing for the last six years to destroy it. And the globalists are going to continue because they don't care whether you're a leftist or a right. They don't care whether you... It's the same old globalist vulture, to use Samantha Edwards' term. And now we've got Luxon, the right wing of the vulture. We had Hitkins is on the way out with Ardern on the left wing. Their left wing is damaged, been shot, <laughs> been pinged. And you've got, um, you've got the ACT Party and you've got New Zealand First. They're on the tail feathers coming along for the ride, but they're all on the globalist bird. And they'll do what the globalists tell them to do. So this is um, here, why did he's calling on the government to demand an immediate ceasefire to expel both. He wants to expel the Israeli ambassador and the United States ambassador until that demand has been met. Is it, so what leverage have you got there, Waititi? You just, honestly, you are a cuckoo. I don't know, you just need to get a real job on a building site somewhere. Do some proper work. You are, you're a disgrace. You've got that facial desecration. You've ruined your face. You're actually quite a handsome man till you did that. Heck's wrong with you. And, the, and we've got new laws coming out now that are going to ban gang members for having facial tattoos. This is the, this is the fascist side of the globalist bird. So National are coming up and saying, um, we're going to have, um, uh, any, if any gang member is seen with facial tattoos, they'll be arrested. Well, what about Waititi? <laughs> You're going to arrest him as well? He's got facial tattoos. And how can you differentiate? What a dumb thing to say. Now, who was that now? He's going to be the Minister of Minister of Police, I think. Um, name escapes me. It's pretty nutty. Pretty stupid thing to say, really. We've got enough laws. We don't need to have new laws. And you can't go doing that to gang members. You just need to arrest them for their criminal activity. Don't arrest them for wearing a patch. Gosh, I want to know who they are. What's wrong with a patch? It's just a patch. not going to do any harm. It's what they do. It's not their clothing they wear. It's not their facial desecration that's the problem. It's what they're doing, their criminal activity that you've got to sort out. But we're not interested in doing that here because we want crime to get worse. And so that crime gets so bad, they're going to bring in, they're going to say, what, what can we do? Oh, well, we've got, we're going to bring in more surveillance. If we have more surveillance, we're going to have a cashless society. So there'll be no more crime because there won't be no more cash and you'll have to... They'll be able to pick up any criminals at point of sale. So that's the answer. The answer is for us to take away all your rights and freedoms and all your privacy is going to go. And we're going to say we're doing it just because um, we want to catch the criminals. We want to stop the gang members. Absolute rubbish. There's enough laws there to do that. Now, we do not need that. Okay, we're going to uh, TNT Radio News right now. I'll be back with some weather in a moment. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Hundreds of foreign nationals with passports, along with worried Palestinians, are getting out, passing into Egypt after being stuck in Gaza for weeks, as Israel wages war against Hamas following last month's terror attack. But not everyone can go yet, including a U.S. citizen who spoke to Fox News. 
Time for the American administration to take us back home. The situation in Gaza Strip is getting worse. She's inside Gaza with her 10-year-old son. She says her son was on the list to lead through the Rafa crossing today, but that she was not. So she's not going to send him across alone with no one to meet him on the other side. In Gaza, Hamas claims Israel is hitting a refugee camp with airstrikes for a second day. It's alleged that hundreds of deaths and injuries are there. Israel says it's targeting militants operating in that camp and has killed a top Hamas commander. After weeks of pro-Palestinian protests on college campuses, the FBI arrested a suspect who they say was behind very graphic online threats to kill Jewish students at Cornell University. According to the Department of Justice, 21-year-old Patrick Dye, a junior at Cornell, was charged with posting threats to kill while using interstate communications. About 72% of New Zealand long COVID sufferers work despite having the same life quality as severe cancer and multiple sclerosis patients. New research reveals prompting calls for the Ministry of Health to offer more support. The interim results of a study found sufferers reported a high level of fatigue, brain fog, concentration loss, sleep disturbance, and sleep issues. A significant amount of the people sampled could no longer manage a 40-hour working week, experienced a 50% reduction in work hours, and 45% said their incomes declined as a result. Elon Musk spoke to podcaster Joe Rogan about fellow billionaire George Soros' funding of liberal district attorneys and their refusal to enforce laws in crime-ravaged cities. The value for money in local races is much higher than it is in national races. So the lowest value for money is a presidential race. Then next lowest value for money is a Senate race, then a Congress. And then, but once you get to sort of city and state district attorneys, um, the value for money is extremely good. And uh, Soros realized that you don't actually need to change the laws. You just need to change how they're enforced. If nobody chooses to enforce the law or the laws are differentially enforced, it's like changing the laws. During a press conference in Geneva on Friday, Ravina Shandasani, the spokesperson for the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, was asked if the Israeli bombing of Gaza in response to the surprise attack by Hamas on October 7th could be characterized as genocide. Shandasani warned that both sides in the Israel-Hamas conflict could be committing war crimes, but that it's up to an independent court to pass judgment on military actions in Gaza. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen calls it an absolute catastrophe. And once again, yet another UN human rights organization calling out the IDF, calling out the Israeli government for blatant open war crimes. When you lay siege to a densely populated area, you cut off the water, you cut off the food, you cut off communications, you cut off electricity. And then once you have these people pinned in this relatively small area, then you institute airstrikes and you target civilian neighborhoods and you target explicit target hospitals, UN shelters, UN run schools, and are killing thousands of people in the process. Latest numbers are over 8,000 Palestinians have been killed, civilians, and including in that number, 3,000 children. And that's only the beginning. Many thousands are reported as missing and not included in those numbers because they just haven't dug them out from under the rubble yet. This is an absolute catastrophe on a scale nobody expected, and hopefully that we never Ever see again for TNT Radio. This is Patrick Henningsen. And all they've got to do, Patrick, all they have to do is release the 226 hostages that are left. And they're not targeting civilians. You're such a liar. I just cannot believe. I don't know. I don't even know why I bother taking your news. And I don't know why they have you doing an opinion piece 
when you're doing the news. When I do the news, when I'm actually reading news as a bulletin, you don't put yourself in front of the news, and that's what they're doing. It's a big mistake for TNT Radio to do this. Big mistake. You can have your opinion, like I do with my opinions, but when I'm reading news, I'm reading news, and I don't even have an inflection. I don't read. I haven't read news on my program. My program's all about um, talking about the news, distilling the news. It's my opinion on on what's happening in the news. But if I'm reading a news bulletin, I'm reading a news bulletin. But to have you attached to every news bulletin with your opinion uh, destroys your news. It's seven past six. From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Now, gosh, you shouldn't really cough with the microphone on. Let's look at the weather, shall we? Uh, we've got extremes here. Wakatani, 16.7 degrees. The lowest is Twizel, 4.6 degrees. Castle Point, 37 kilometres per hour of wind. And it's now we've got a wee bit of rain in the Chathams. 0.2 millimetres of rain is falling. Temperatures right across the country are in the double digits, apart from Queenstown. It's just dipped down a little bit as the sun's starting to rise. 7 degrees in Queenstown and also in France Joseph. Near the glacier, Fox and France Joseph Glacier. Seven degrees there, which is pretty warm for them at this time of the year. Okay, now we're going to go and uh, look at the short forecast, and then we'll have we'll continue on with News Hub and see what they've got dished up for us. Uh, for the short forecast for the west from Northland to Taranaki, also for the central high country in Hawke's Bay, partly cloudy with scattered showers, mainly from the afternoon. Some of them may be heavy. Possible thunderstorms about Hawke's Bay. For the remainder of the North Island today, cloudy periods, isolated showers developing this afternoon and evening. For Nelson, Buller and Westland, often cloudy with rain at times. Marlborough and Canterbury, low cloud, fog near the coast at times, but generally fine elsewhere. A few showers developing this afternoon, but mainly inland. For Otago and Southland, also Fiordland, you've got cloudy periods with uh, areas of fog or low cloud about Southland and eastern Otago this morning and then patchy rain in Fiordland. Scattered showers developing this afternoon with some of them that may be heavy and possible thunderstorms for you. And the Chatham Islands, you've got cloudy, cloudy weather with occasional showers. We'll look at uh, News Hub in just one moment. It is nine, no, eight, 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 eight or nine roughly. What are we up to? Oh, it's only eight. Eight minutes past six. Good morning to you. Nobody in Congress is asking to analyze the violence. Nobody in the mainstream media has ever asked what's in the vials. And the public doesn't want to know either because the public's not asking what's in these vaccines. If people understood what was in the vaccine, they'd go apeshit. That's uh, Steve Kirsch. If you want to know more about him, K-I-R-S-C-H, Kirsch Substack, K-I-R-S-C-H, kirschsubstack.com. Get over there, get, get your email on the list and you can find out what's going on. Um, boy, oh boy, he's got some information. He says all childhood vaccines cause long-term um, d- problems, chronic diseases, um, psychological disturbances, um, allergies. It's all caused by the childhood vaccines. The pharmaceutical industry have been lying to us for decades, absolute decades. And all these farmers that are f- filling up their animals with vaccinations, seven and one now, five and one it was, now it's seven and one. All you're doing is making your animals sick. Fortunately, most of us get rid of our animals within two years. They, are, they go off to the works if, if you're doing beefies. Uh, and so the vital force of the animal means it can, it can keep itself alive. But, you know, it's the worst thing you can do. Why would you do that? You've got this beautiful body. You've got this beautiful child. And you just go, it's like chucking it. You've got this wonderful spinning top just spinning beautifully. 
you know, just imagine you know, those spinning tops on the you used to have when we were kids. It's spinning beautifully. It's like it's like this is what you do. You just like chuck a lump of concrete at it, and just let it, you know, just chuck a stone at it, and it goes out. It starts wobbling, and that's what you're doing when you're vaccinating your children. You're just putting toxins into them, deadly toxins, which will eventually shorten their lives and make their life a misery, make them dependent on the pharmaceutical industry. And the King James Bible translates the word pharmakia, the Greek Greek pharmakia word, which which is where we get pharmacy from. It's translated sorcery. That's what it is. Okay, now we've got some good news here. Uh, News Hub report that staff at the failed online supermarket, Supi, they've been told that they'll get paid wages that they're owed after the company closed its doors last week. They weren't going to be getting anything. Apparently with Christmas looming, what is it, six or seven weeks away. Uh, the, this comes after the company, they've got 120 workers and they were called to a meeting on Monday and they were told that they were going to lose their jobs on the spot and they will not be paid for the last two weeks of work. The online food retailer owes $3 million, which is not huge, is it? $3 million to creditors when it went into voluntary administration, which you have to do because you can't trade if you're insolvent. And this is the um, this is the company, I think it's Workerly Limited. I'm not sure what PWC New Zealand is, but they said in a statement, we are pleased, they must be the, um, what do you call it, the, the people that put them, that look after the, when you go into voluntary liquidation. They said that we are pleased to announce that an anonymous and substantial cash contribution has been paid to Workerly Limited. The cash contribution was paid on the basis that the full amount be used to pay the employees of the Supi group of companies. The administrators expect to be able to pay a substantial portion of all outstanding gross wages and salaries for the staff, they said. Outstanding holiday pay and other claims against Workerly, that's the Supi chain, remain unpaid at this stage. The administrators are likely to make the distribution towards outstanding wages and salaries early next week. So that is great news for that those people there. And you've got, there's a f- photograph there of them. You know, it's just terrible. You know, that's the trouble. When you work for other people, you don't see the writing on the wall. It just, when you when you go, you know, we're taught at school, weren't we? To, this, is what, this is what they teach you at school. And it's all wrong. They say you've got to work hard so you can get good marks so that you can get a good job and then get laid off. <laughs> that's pretty much that's pretty much how it works. Should we have a look at rugby or should we go for... We, we, we talked about the 40% of nurses, haven't we? They've got um, that here. 40% of nurses. We've got Cricket World Cup. That's happening today, isn't it? Black Caps versus South Africa at Pune. That, they've got live, live updates there. I'll just tell you a little bit about it. If you're into cricket, to me it's like watching the grass grow. Cricket, it's just not cricket to me. <laughs> And they say, Kiora to you, and I say, Rosella to you, and Rangitoto. Uh, welcome to the News Hub's live coverage on Wednesday's Cricket World Cup blockbuster between Black Caps and South Africa. The New Zealanders will be eager to arrest a two-game losing skid after their fast start to the tournament, while the surging Proteas, they look to consolidate second place in the standings as the, I hope I pronounced that right, Proteas, uh, as in the semi-finals. That draws even closer. And so they all have action starting from 9.30. Was that be last night? Is this old news in my reading? Oh, it is. <laughs> it's probably all over, is it? We'll soon find out. I thought that was today. Gosh, why? they're a bit slow, aren't they? This is AM. Today's the second. And yet that story's done on the first. And yet it's... Oh, and it's, it's right on the front page there. I don't know who's running it there. Anyway, we'll go to rugby then. How about that? Rugby. That's... um. The All Blacks, that's rugby, isn't it? Departing All Black hooker, K- 
Kane, Dane Coles, he said that next rugby uh, has been revealed that that he doesn't doesn't involve hanging up his boots. So his next his next move in rugby, I should say, Kubota Spears have confirmed that Coles will join them for the 2023-24 season in Japan's League One after previously announcing that he will retire from professional rugby at the end of the year. He's a 90-test veteran, and he will join teammates Richie Muunga. Muunga. Uh, Brody Ritalik and Aaron Smith, who are also Asia-bound after the World Cup. Coles, who's 36, he played his final test for the All Blacks in the famous quarter-final win against Ireland. He was overlooked for the final in the decision that coach Ian Foster described as probably the toughest decision that he's ever made in his life. In 11 international seasons, Coles has become the third most capped hooker in the All Blacks history behind Kieran Miyalamu, who had 132, and Sean Fitzpatrick, who had 92. He also made 140 appearances for the Hurricanes, who helped lead to a super title, uh, rugby title in 2016. On Wednesday, the All Black squad touched down back here in New Zealand. Heroes at the Auckland International Airport. Wasn't that great? Also, another story while I'm here, you've got run-down abandoned houses in Auckland's North Shore, they expect to sell for up to $800,000. Auckland property includes uh, stained um, <laughs> stained paint, broken cars, and patch, patching up walls. Oh, a terrible photograph here, but they, that's the land value. That's where the money is. It's in the land, isn't it? You only put a house on it so you can get it to rent it out, so you can pay the rates and you know pay the bank, I suppose. Now, Queenslanders, we better have go over to Australia because it's looking really bad. 400 Queenslanders told that they've got to, it's too late for them to leave the bushfires. Too late for them to get out. 400 of them are leave, uh, people they want, um, they're living in Queensland. Uh, gosh, I've got all these ads going across what I'm trying to read. So they want to get out of the place. This is in the southern border. And they were told it's too late to leave as the bushfires bore down on their small town. And I hope this is up to date. This is 10 hours ago, so it's not too bad. Not too bad. Um, instead, they were they were to find safety where they could, hoping that firefighters could stop the flames from reaching them. That's this is horrendous. It was a tense afternoon for fire, Australian firefighters. At a time most people run for their lives, firefighters risk their own lives by running towards the flames. They reach for the hoses. That's all they've got to fight with. Plus, their body cameras capture it all. But when it gets too dangerous, the drive to safely is just too risky. Out-of-control flames moving at frightening speed, it's hard to watch. The fire formed a ring and closed in on the town of Wollongara. The situation outside is effed. Pretty scary. I'm safe here where I am, so I'm just going to shut the shop. And my eyes are effing stinging, this woman said, local woman. After fighting off the flames for as long as they could, the locals fled to whatever safety they could find. But it was too late to leave. Instead, they were told to stay and find shelter to survive. It's everywhere I look. I've got friends, and we we can't split ourselves up to help everybody out, one woman said. She's trapped by the flames. But with some hope and luck, the fire is now going uh, going around the town instead of through the town and hopefully it's been saved, said uh, Queensland Premier Anastasia Palas... Oh, what's her name? That's a honey... Pal- Palasuk, it looks like to me. 400 live here. Uh, we've endured bushfires before, but never like this. Oh, that'll be global warming. They have, actually. 
they, they always they often have bushfires. But th- no, this is pretty serious. She said, I think it's the first time I've been afraid for my life, my house. Uh, that's another woman actually said that. Cooler temperatures today brought some relief, but it's ominous. It's an ominous start to the fire season, one month out from the summer. And we've got New Zealand firefighters. They've, they're probably over there by now. Good on you. Good on you, boys. We've got to be Anzacs. We've got to work together. Uh, what else have we got? The latest stories. So that's good, isn't it, about the workers are going to get paid? An anonymous donor. Isn't that great that people would do that? Someone's done it. Some billionaire or somebody. I don't know, someone like Graham Hart or something. I don't know. Hopefully he did. Or someone like that. Okay, so uh, what else have we got happening here? Uh, That's just about it, I think. When we come back, we'll have a look at uh, stuff and see what they've got to say in the news. Here's Samantha Edwards, and you can see Samantha Edwards' latest video. It's a documentary video. It's over at counterspinmedia.com in the video section. And it's very good. It's about an hour and a half. Very, very good. She does number eight. She calls herself Samantha Edwards Reports. Here's just a clip from that. In 2016, Winston Peters spoke loudly and boldly against John Key's TPPA intentions for our nation. He rung with truth and conviction as he spoke about the corporate globalist designs to control us. His discerning and knowledgeable words were everything we wanted to hear, and many of us were swept up in his electoral campaign that strongly featured his promise to deal to TPPA once he was in the doors of Parliament. Again, his powerful promises saw him ushered into government in 2017. But once inside, he then completely broke his promise in his usual fashion and declared his total support of the deal, one he had so strongly criticised just a few weeks earlier. He attempted to then justify his betrayal with the same old line that he's used to justify so many of his other backflips. Satisfactory changes to the deal have been made, he said. When that was just categorically untrue, those changes were not even put to the public and the public still wholeheartedly disagreed with the entire deal. Samantha Edwards there, 26 minutes past uh, 6 o'clock. Yes, 26 minutes past 6. Good morning to you. Sun's up. Going to be a great day. Sun's shining. I think, is it? Let's have a look. Oh, it's a bit overcast, but it's all right. You don't want it too hot when you're working, do you? Get outside if you're a bloke. Do some physical work. Best thing for you. The Bible says it's good for a man to work with his hands. Good for you mentally as well. Baby Ruse. This is the one that was killed. Had force, what is it, blunt force trauma. 11-month-old baby boy. Uncle says that he made a formal complaint to Oranga Tamariki, which is... Child and health, isn't it? All those names are going to be changed. If New Zealand first get their way, all that rubbish, all this Maori name nonsense, it's all going to be, it's all going to be changed. New Zealand is our language, and New Zealand is our country. Sorry, English is our, our language. New Zealand is the name of the country. That's one of the 47 uh, main rules that uh, New Zealand first, as if they've got any say in the matter. <laughs> but, you know, it's never going to happen. Uh, but, um, you know, some of them might. But um, he's basically just got to do what he's, he's just got to He's just going to be there chirping away, isn't he, on the tail feathers of the globalist vulture. So the uncle of the lower hut toddler killed by blunt force trauma says that the child, youth, and family, they let them know his family. And they, he, he, he believes, rather, he let them know, and he says that child, youth, and family have let their family down. No, I think the person, I think your family's let your family down. Members of your family have done it. You've got to take responsibility. They'll have to pass the buck, don't they? Uh, had a problem yesterday in Taranaki, a serious crash. They closed a close State Highway 3 near Taranaki. One helicopter and two ambulances responded to the initial report suggesting a serious injury. 
a bit of a quick look at that. Um, that was last night about 6 o'clock, I think. Two-vehicle crash closed State Highway 3 in Taranaki with the initial reports suggesting serious injuries. It happened about 5.30. The crash occurred in Mokau Road, just north of Okau Road. That's south of Tonga Purutu. Uh, according to St John's spokesman, they said they responded with one helicopter and two ambulances. They said one person was in a, a minor condition. I don't know what a minor condition is. I, th- I, I guess that's minor injuries. Uh, but they were unable to say how many patients uh, were, uh, and they directed all the inquiries from staff to the fire service. Fire New Zealand, Fire Emergency New Zealand, said three fire engines attended the crash from Uruwini and Waitara and also Tainui Mokau. A police spokesman said the serious crash unit be notified and Moses was asked to avoid the area although it looks as though that's not open. It is open, it's not closed at the moment, so that's no good. Poor poor things, I hope they'll be all right. It's terrible. I've had my own family involved in a car accident. It's not very pleasant. It, it upsets the whole family for a long time. Uh, National MP spoken out about the strongly worded Holocaust. We heard that, about that, and I think it was either Radio New Zealand or National. This is their heading. National leader said that the email from the... This is Christopher Luxon. He said the email from the party's third-ranking MP, which compared the Hamas attacks to the Holocaust, showed emotions were high. Yeah, he did. Stuff and Waikato Cherry Tree Festival defamation trial, that continues, continued yesterday. Part of Stuff's coverage of the Waikato Cherry Tree Festival, technically right, but still defamatory and misleading, according to the organisers, and they're in court now fighting, not for money, just want to clear their name. The suspected Queen Street shooter, the one that stabbed, I think, no, he didn't stab, he shot someone in the guts, and he shot the other guy in the head. And um, this guy that did this, he's got tats, so he's probably a gang prospect. Looks like someone's put a bowl on his head and cut around it with a pair of scissors. He's got a sort of a slanted mouth. But they've got her in court. She's the woman. She's been charged with being an accessory after the alleged murder of Sione Tuholoaki on Queen Street. That's Auckland. And that was back in August. This guy's been on the loose for three months and they can't capture what the heck's going on. Someone's looking out, out for him. Tiari Andre Boone Harris. She was arrested on October the 7th while the alleged killer, Darius Talagi, he's still on the run from police 90 days after Tuholo. Argie was fatally shot. What happened to the other one? He died in hospital anyway after the police described as a small group fight on the corner of Queen Street and Fourth Street shortly before midnight on August the 3rd. should be out at midnight. should be at home. Have a glass of milk and off to bed. Brush your teeth. In bed, tucked up. Devil finds work for idle hands. All the bad stuff. It's out at night time, isn't it? It's at night. People, you should be... This. this is why God's made the moon and the sun... When the sun goes down, it's time to go to bed. Go to sleep. When the sun comes up, time to get up. Don't stay in bed when the sun's up. <laughs> get up and get outside do some work. Men should be working with their hands. That's why they have to join gyms, the gym bunnies, because they go nuts. We've got so much mental health problems. Most of it's caused through childhood vaccines, but it doesn't help when you've got, um, you know, you're not doing proper work. Boone Harris appeared in the High Court. This is the Sheila that's supposed to be his accomplice. Uh, is Mary Tart. She is in the High Court in Auckland on Wednesday, that was yesterday, and she entered a, a, a not guilty plea through her lawyer, Adam Holland. And, uh, oh, there's the long haired guy that got shot. Island chap. Gosh, he's young, eh? 
He's 24, so it's too late for you, mate. If you're not a Christian, if you're not saved, you're, um, you go into the grave. The dead know nothing. The Christian, absent from the body, present with the Lord. But the unsaved person, they lie in the grave for at least another thousand and seven years until the great white throne judgment. And then you get raised up and you'll stand before Jesus Christ. He's going to judge you guilty and then you'll be cast into the lake of fire. Isn't that awful? Isn't that shocking? I didn't write the Bible. Just don't get angry at me. I, that's what it says. I didn't write it. Just telling what it says. You want the truth? If you're valiant for the truth, you better read the Bible. The Bible says in John 17, 17, Thy word is truth. Every word in that book is true. You can trust it. The reason why New Zealand's in such a state is because we've gone away from the Bible. And good on those Pacific Island groups that voted against the United Nations resolution. 120 countries, atheist fools, enemies of the Lord, enemies of God, enemies of Israel, the children of God, enemies of Christ, went against Israel. Only 14 went with them, 45 abstained. And a good number of them were the Pacific Island countries, Christian, Christian countries. They are. The early Protestant missionaries in the 19th century went through the islands there. People like um, Darren Buzzacott went to the Cook Islands, according to my Pacific Island friend, my Cook Island mate. Bobby says it was the best thing that ever happened. He arrived, he was a homeopath. He arrived, he brought us the gospel. He translated uh, into the, the Maori. They've got the Cook Islands to have a Maori a Bible. Darren Buzzacott did that. He healed people with his homeopathic remedies. And he said, the Christianity brought peace and safety. We're no longer eating each other. They were eating, eating one another up there as well. Not much food, I suppose. Can't live on coconuts all your life, can you? So anyway, it just brought people could live in peace and safety. So that's what the gospel did. That's what the no, uh, Roman Catholics didn't bring the gospel. They brought religion. They brought enslavement. When the, when the Protestant Reformation happened in the United Kingdom, it swept through Europe, first of all, with Martin Luther, and then it went through the United Kingdom, it brought, and it wasn't Henry, King Henry VIII and his, his, his whatever, all his wives. That wasn't the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. It started well before then. They protested against the pretensions of the Roman Catholic system of religion, which were absolutely diametrically opposed to what the Bible taught. Anyone found with the Scriptures was burnt at the stake, 300 uh, Bible-believing, many of them Roman Catholics that started to believe their Bible, if they are caught with the Bible, even just an even portion of it, they were burnt at the stake. This is in the United Kingdom, in places like Oxford. If they didn't believe in the, the, the Roman Catholic uh, doctrine of transubstantiation, which the uh, Westminster Confession, not the Westminster Confession, the Church of England's 39 Articles, which are up, upheld by an act of Parliament, they, sorry, they can never be changed by any act of Parliament. That's why, that's why the Roman Catholic Church wanted to destroy the United Kingdom and bring it into Europe, because they need to get rid of, get, they need to get rid of the United Kingdom as a, as a government, because they can't change it. And I'll tell you why. One of the, some of those articles, if you ever actually read them, it says the Roman Catholic Mass is a blasphemy and a fable. This is the Church of England's 39 articles. It says the doctrine of transubstantiation, where they believe that that little round wafer, which is a pagan thing, and the wine that the priest drinks, gets pissed on, can be magically transformed into the real body and blood of Christ, 
and then you're eating you're eating your god so that you're actually a cannibal <laughs> we had a prime minister here for a while uh, did he become jim Bol- not jim bolger he's a roman catholic too he's a can- cannibal jim <laughs> we used to joke cannibal jim so that's what you are and that's why it's actually there's no law against cannibalism you're not allowed to murder someone but you they can't have you up for cannibalism why is that? Because that's what the Roman Catholics do every time they have a Mass. They re-sacrifice Jesus Christ over and over in the Mass. Yet the Bible says no. Christ died once for all, was buried and rose again three days later according to Scripture. So we don't need to do that. That is ancient Babylonian goddess worship. They used to eat their God. That's what it's all about. That mother and child cult is just a counterfeit. A counterfeit of the true God. Jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December. That's a pagan high day. The shepherds were out with their flocks. and They're not going to be doing that in the middle of winter. Out in the fields with their flocks. Easter is not the Passover. It's a totally different ceremony. And you only get the truth of that in the King James Bible. I think it's Acts chapter 12 verse 4. Or it might be 4 verse 12. One or the other. Acts. Where it says that... Um, I think it's Herod. He waited until after Easter. All the new versions say Passover. Just because the Greek word says Pascha doesn't mean to say. Doesn't mean to say it. It, it, it has to mean. It has to mean Easter, because the days of unleavened bread come after the Passover, and it says in the verse before, these are the days of the unleavened bread, and then he said he waited until after Easter. So Easter and Passover are not the same. Easter is a pagan ceremony where they used to get little eggs, which is it's actually the goddess of uh, fertility. The egg and the snake wrapped around it goes back to ancient Babylon. Babylonian goddess worship, fertility, Venus, Ishtar, Ishtate. And they used to paint these eggs and send them as gifts to one another at Easter. Egg, and we know Herod's wife, she wasn't, she kept the pagan ceremony. And so Herod was waiting till after her Ishtate, after her pagan uh, Venus egg ceremony, her fertility uh, ceremony of Easter. He was waiting for that. And then he was going to go and sort this guy out that he kept in between four quaternions of soldiers. But the Passover had already happened. And the only way that people can make this work is they've got to say, oh, well, yeah, well the, the Passover is separate from the days of unleavened bread. Ask any Jew. The Passover ceremony is a one night thing that happens. The Passover, when the angel passed over, passed over and killed the firstborn of, I think it was every animal and every person, because Pharaoh wouldn't let those children go. The children of Israel wouldn't let them go. And so he kept warning him. See how God just warning, warning, sent plagues. And then he got serious and he said, I'm going to take the, I'm going to kill the firstborn. And everybody that did what God told them, this is what they had to do. They had to take a lamb, kill it, take the blood from it. And they had to use some, you know, kind of a hyssop or something, dip it in the blood and paint it on the lintel, the top, that's the piece of the member of wood that goes across the top of the door and the doorposts. And when the angel, probably Michael, when he passed over, that's why it's called the Passover, he would carry on. When he saw the blood of that lamb, the blood of the lamb, and all those that are inside were safe from the destroying angel. And they did it by faith. They believed by faith. The angel saw the blood, the blood of the lamb. 
and everybody's in safe. And it's just like that for us today. I'm going off track. But anyway, so there it is. So that is the Passover. It has nothing to do with the goddess of fertility, Easter. Everybody says the King James Bible is wrong. They say that's an error in the Bible, but it's not. The King James Bible corrected the Greek. And I've spoken to Greeks. Uh, my friend who passed away on Saturday is married to a Greek. He is fluent in Greek. He taught us Greek. We did um, textual studies, textual criticism. We read Greek every every day at the um, the Bible school that I attended, the New Zealand School of um, Bible, the New Zealand um, Protestant Bible School. And um, the word Pascha, its idiom dictates grammar. And it cannot possibly be Passover. It has to be Easter. Because of the days of unleavened bread, which it said, it says that these were the days of unleavened bread. And he said he's waiting till after Easter. So he can't have been waiting till after the Passover because the days of unleavened bread come after the Passover. So it's impossible. It must be Easter. We won't make a liar out of that. That book is the one you can trust. If you, can, you can become a Christian reading any book, any Bible. doesn't matter. You can see a, a verse on a toilet door. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. John 3.16 That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You could read that and go, wow, that, that's, oh, I believe that. Verses like that, little, you know, little kids will read that. Wow, that's so amazing. And, they, and then we talk them out of it. Oh, you've got to get baptized. No, you don't. They believed and were baptized. The Roman Catholics, I was having an argument with Dan Tyther there. He's a, he's a left footer, Romanist. You know, and he takes a verse out of context. He says, see, it says here you've got to be baptized. <laughs> no, you don't have to be baptized for salvation, but it's a, it's a church ordinance. We do it. We do it by faith. And it's a symbolic of, of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We do that, that we, we, are, we, we die to ourselves and we, ri- we rise out of the water. Not christen, christening. They did that to the pagans. Pagan christened their babies. They ate their gods and christened their babies. So you're in, a, you're in a pagan, you're listening to the priests, the old drunken pedophiles. You're listening to them, Dan, instead of reading your Bible. And you've, had, you've got your Bible filtered through the Roman Catholic system of religion. That's what we've got happening in our media. Do you know we did a study years ago? It was incredible. There was something like 70% of news journalists and, and newscasters were Roman Catholic. And yet they only made up about 10% of our population. It's incredible. All through the BBC too, you know, and the, what we call it the New Zealand BBC, the Radio New Zealand is full of Roman Catholics, because they they want they want you there so you don't say anything bad about the Roman Catholic Church. You just think about it: Mary Lambie, Mary Jane, Tamazi. I shouldn't say anything about my sister-in-law; she's lovely, but you know, Peter Williams. Peter, Peter Fry, all these, and you can tell who the Catholics are by their names. The Catholics always name their kids after the saints, like Peter, Saint Peter, Mary, <laughs> Joseph, Joe. Joe Biden's a Roman Catholic. Joseph. And so it's like we can identify who they are: Peter, Mary, Teresa. That's another one. I don't know why Teresa is, but it's usually you know Peter, Paul, and Mary, isn't it? Peter, Paul, and Mary, all Roman Catholics, and they're right through our media. I tell you what, the Roman Catholic Church is far more involved in this war in the Middle East than you would realize. They've got their eyes on the Middle East, 
they believe that the Israelis are no longer blessed. When God says in the Old Testament, Israel doesn't mean them anymore, he's cast them away. They believe in replacement theology. They believe that the Roman Catholic Church is the new Israel. And that's why they've got their eyes on it. And you know, I believe the American troops are basically just altar boys for the Roman Catholic Church to be slaughtered. Those poor young men that go off and fight these battles, the Roman Catholic Church is behind it. Uh, We heard from Scott Ritter about what's going on in the Ukraine. Roman Catholic priests are involved in that. If you've read um, Why Did We Go by Advro Manhattan about why they went to uh, Vietnam, the Roman Catholics were behind that as well. Abraham Lincoln said the Jesuits were behind the beginning of the Civil War. Every war in the world that's going on now, there's there's Roman Catholic hierarchy involved in it. They are a political entity in religious garb. Very, very dangerous. And they are the enemy of the Lord's true people, not the people itself. There's Christians in there that are commanded to get out. But that is the enemy. It is a counterfeit Christianity, and it is the enemy of the Lord's true people. It's 21 to 7, and when I come back, we'll just finish off on stuff, and then we better get over and see what's going on in some of the other international papers. Well, anything that indicates that there are two sexes is now offensive, because we're meant to be entirely focused on people who deny that fact and who also aren't happy with their own sex. So I distinguish those two groups. There are trans people who aren't happy being the sex that they are. And some of them are quite realistic about that. They know what their sex is. They know it makes them unhappy. They're perfectly easy and nice to talk to. And then there's other ones who want the whole world broken to fit them back into the sex category that they're not. And then there's a much larger penumbra of people who think of themselves as allies for whom it's extremely important to deny the fact that there are two sexes. And so those are the people who are destroying women's rights, destroying children's education, are destroying gay people's rights because you can't have sexual orientation without sex. Mm -hmm. They're willing to break absolutely everything in order that some men can count as women and some women can count as men. Okay, that's interesting, isn't it? All right, we are over at stuff.co.nz. And we've looked at just about everything except the CCTV. It shows that the AOS, that's the armed, what is that, armed defender squad, clearing the Al Noor mosque after the attacks. While armed defenders had cleared the mosque, it was deemed safe by two, uh, two, six minutes past two in the afternoon of the, of, the, of the day. And it would be another nine minutes before emergency service entered to treat seriously injured worshippers, apparently, according to that little that we story there that's happening right now they've got a something going on and some kind of re- review on it of course it's just going to be nonsense isn't it because you know a lot of people think it was a false flag and there were more than one shooter and maybe this fellow Tarrant Brendan Tarrant maybe he's Brenton rather Tarrant maybe he is a uh, patsy for all the others Seems pretty strange, really. And I wonder if that's why the police broke into Calvin and Hannah Alp's house and took all their computers because they're working on they're working on these stories. They had about four on the boil to release. All sorts of stuff about the ped- pedophiles in this country in high places. And uh, information on the um, Christchurch shooting as well. So that's 
that's that. Uh, so yeah, that is the end of it's there uh, with uh, stuff. I don't think there's anything else I can bring you. Uh, oh yeah, actually those people over in, Wai- in um, Murawai, Auckland Council tells first owners it will buy their storm damaged properties. So the first group of owners by, of the storm damaged properties in Auckland have received confirmation from the Auckland City Council that it will buy them out. Thousands of properties in the region were ravaged by flooding and landslides when record-breaking rainfall fell in January, that was the 27th, and then the Cyclone Gabrielle wreaked havoc just over a fortnight later. Murawai resident Caroline Bell Booth is one of 25 property owners to receive long-awaited confirmation this week that her property is Category 3 and will be part of the council and government-funded buyout process. Bell Booth told staff, a staff reporter, that she received confirmation by phone on Wednesday afternoon and was told discussions about the voluntary buyout will begin next week. She said, I don't expect it to be a, a lucrative, uh, to be a lucrative process. It's been financially challenging so far, but to know that the end may come gives me some hope. She said, I've, uh, I've known that we would never return since 15th of February, and uh, we're now up to, that was on the November the 1st, she said that. She's got some clarity now. However, she's mindful that while people in her position can start to see the horizon, many of her neighbours lack the clarity. And uh, that's where the, distri- the distress is. She says, to look in their eyes, it breaks your heart. To see once very vital, vibrant people so deeply crushed. The people in Category 2 and 3 have no information, nothing at all, about what lies ahead for them and their future. Uh, and they didn't. That was on the morning of the cyclone, just to mess them up. It's just awful for them. Got Christmas coming, you don't know where you're going. Auckland Council Deputy Recovery Manager Mace Ward, he told the council governing body last Thursday that the they've gone, you know, stuff have just gone and put a, put a Maori word in there. It's Auckland. Auckland Recovery Office expects to release about 30 to 80 categorisations early next week. And that'll go right through to February. The initial pri- uh, priority is people who are displaced from their homes uh, and they are areas with the greatest impact, according to Ward. In a statement on Wednesday, Ward said it's been challenging for everyone involved uh, to fit all the puzzle pieces t- uh, in place, such as funding arrangements and technical risk categorization policy and framework. Oh, it looks like an absolute mess, doesn't it? Some of those shots from of Murawai. On October the 6th, the government body decided that pre-stall market valuations would be used as a starting point for voluntary buyouts. The set date for those valuations is January the 26th, and the day before unprecedented flooding occurred in the region, so that's quite good. The council will offer 95% of the agreed value of an insured property. Why don't you, why don't you give them 100%? and up to 80% of an uninsured property. Oh, that's good. You don't, you don't even need insurance. You get 80%. It's better than nothing, isn't it? Better than the boot in the face, isn't it? Better than a slap with a wet fish, I suppose. Um, there is no maximum buyout for, for, the, for the Category 3 property. So far, the recovery office has completed 1,000 assessments of properties affected by landslides and over 500 properties impacted by flooding. Terrible situation for them. Heart goes out to them. I just can't imagine, you know, you just got to be careful where you buy, eh? Oh, man. An elderly man, he's admitted, uh, this is an old story, I think, isn't it? Came out yesterday, elderly man, he's admitted killing his wife at Mount Monganui Retirement Village. He's probably a mercy killing. I don't, you don't really need to do that now, because haven't they got new rules now where you can 
you can basically just get yourself topped within a few few days. Just got to talk to one doctor or something. Eight-year-old man, he's admitted killing, he probably didn't read the newspapers, he admitted killing his 78-year-old wife in a retirement village in Mount Monganui. His name's Alfred, um, John Alfred Salter. He appeared in the Tauranga High Court on Wednesday where he entered a plea of guilty to murdering his wife, Jean. His lawyer... Tony Rickard Sims confirmed to stuff. Police were called to the Bayswater Retirement Village at 5 to 7, where they found the body of Jean Salter on October the 8th. Uh, Met Life Care, which owned the Bayswater Village, was helping police with their investigations. So there you go. Uh, terrible. Off to hell. Unless you're a Christian, got to get saved, mate. Eh? If you're listening, come on. Could be, today could be your last chance to call out to God. You don't have to go to church. Nothing. Not make you do that. You don't. You you don't want to read the Bible now, but you will if you become a Christian. You do it by faith. It's a heart thing, isn't it? Really, it's not. Sometimes it's not even a mental thing. You just believe. All the, the gospel is so simple, isn't it? Just so simple. Fourteen minutes to seven, and it's this. You believe by faith to be a Christian. You have to believe by faith that God sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to this earth two thousand years ago to pay for our sins to pay for the fact that we've broken God's commandments ten commandments that's the payment the payment is that wages of sin is death so if you break God's laws he's a just judge you'd expect a judge to be just he says the wages of sin is death but instead of you having to die for your own crime of breaking God's laws God came and has paid it for you it's that simple he came as a man, the Father and the Son are one. God himself came to earth as a man. Hard to believe, isn't it? But it is. It's the, the Trinity. It's the only thing the Catholics get right. The Godhead. The Father and the Son are one. Jesus said in the beginning, uh, was the, I think it said, well, he did actually write it in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, for deity. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Further down in John chapter 1, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we, that's the disciples, beheld his glory. I think it says, The the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father. He's only begotten. And so he, he had to, he came to earth and he laid down his life, born of a virgin, just as it says in Isaiah 7, I think, or 9. Born of a virgin, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, it says, the mighty God, all capitals. When you see the capitals, you know, there's deity. God has many names, but the one you need to believe in now, the one you need in English, is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other. So he came 2,000 years ago. He allowed himself to be murdered on a Roman cross could have stopped them, had trillions of angels, could have called them down, but he didn't. He didn't because he, the Bible says, for God so loved you and me that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him, Jesus, should not perish in hell, I'm paraphrasing, but have everlasting life in heaven with God for eternity. We live forever. The Bible says we rule over the earth with him as kings and priests, just like in the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. 
that's a picture. C.S. Lewis wrote that a picture. The lion is, is, is Jesus Christ, who offered himself for the sins of one of the, one of the children. The children are the church. And you see, at the end there, they're riding on horses like royalty, aren't they? Kings and priests. And there's no more snow and darkness, which is what the world is like now with sin being controlled by our enemy. And then when the Lord returns, it'll be light will come into the, into the world. And, and the Lord Jesus Christ will rule from Jerusalem. That's why all the problems up there. Because the devil hates, hates God. Every time we're made in the image of God and every time he looks at us, it just drives him nuts. He hates our guts. And he wants us to believe all the other rubbish, all the other religions that he's made up. Roman Catholicism, which is just a counterfeit of Christianity. It's the largest cult in the world. All the other cults. Seventh-day Adventism, which is the most dangerous cult because it's so close to the, to the truth, but it's not. They get you to believe that Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose again. You believe that, that's good, but then you've got to keep the Ten Commandments as well. I mean, we don't, we, nobody can keep them. And then you end up, you, what you're doing is you're denigrating what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. He came to pay for your sins once and for all. Does that mean you go off willfully sinning? No, it doesn't. But if you trip up, we have an advocate. We have an advocate. If we sin, we have an advocate. We can call out to him. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful. Jesus Christ is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And not only will he forgive us, but because he paid the price for our sins on that cross 2,000 years ago, it says he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. His blood that was shed for us is so powerful and so precious that it's able to wash away all of our sins if we believe that he died for us on that Roman cross, that filthy tree that they put him on as a criminal. And yet he knew no sin. Never sinned. Not once. If he had have done, couldn't have died for us. Wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have made any difference. Just another, another bloke, you know, another religious leader, another religious nutcase. But it wasn't. He was God himself in human form. When those disciples looked at Jesus, they were looking at God in human form. And he wasn't anything to behold. Isaiah 53 that tells us he wasn't a handsome man. You can guarantee when the devil arrives in the form of the beast, the Antichrist, when he makes everyone receive a mark, all those people that value their life more than they value anything else, they don't read their Bible. And for who people like me telling them, warning them about what's going to happen, Revelations chapter 13 says this beast is going to be infiltrated by his body, is going to be possessed by Satan himself, not just a devil or devils, but the devil. So we'll have Satan himself on earth. He's going to replicate. He's going to counterfeit Jesus Christ. He's going to convince even Christians that he is God. He's going to set up his image in the, in the temple in Jerusalem. He's got to be a Jew. Only a Jew would be allowed in there. So he'll be a European Jew. He'll be ruling the United Nations. They need one. They need a leader. He's coming. The Roman Catholic Church is going to help him come to power. And then once he's in power, he's going to destroy them. He will destroy the religions of Roman Catholicism, and he will be worshipped as God. He'll speak great boastful things. He'll be a homosexual because he doesn't desire women. It's all there. If you just read the Bible and put it all together 
pieced it all together. I've been studying it for years. He's going to be a homosexual Jew. He's going to pretend that he came from the prayer of Zion. He's going to pretend that his um, he his forebear was Jesus, and his uh, the the uh, matriarch was Mary Magdalene. That Jesus and Mary Magdalene, that Jesus came was revived off the cross, or someone else went in his place, and he is from the holy blood of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Absolute lie. And that's what he's going to claim. And their aim of the Prière de Sion, this this Jewish group of um, aristocrats that I, I believe are actually behind the whole New World Order thing, this fifth dimension warfare. And they're going to put their man on the throne and he'll rule the whole of the United, uh, um, United Nations and the European Union. He'll be the leader, be like Napoleon. But he's going to meet his end in a valley called Jezreel. And it's called the, another name for it is uh, Medigo. It's in northern Israel. And that's where this big battle is going to take place. All the armies of the world, the Bible says, will gather there. And the Antichrist, who's going to be leading the Europeans, we're, in, we're actually the baddies. Do you realize that? He's going to be the new world leader, the globalist leader that people like Luxon and all the other half-wits are actually set to get up for him. He's in the wings waiting. He's going to receive a mortal wound. People think, oh, that means something else. But no, he, he receives a mortal wound. Because, and, uh, and it's going to be three days later, I guarantee you. He's going, to, he's going to pretend that it's just like Jesus going into the grave three days, dying on the cross, in there for three days, rising again three days later. It's going to happen. He'll be the same. He'll be assassinated. And then three days later, he'll rise from the dead. And at that moment, the devil enters into him. Just like the devil entered into Judas, Judas Iscariot. The devil himself entered into him. And he betrayed his friend, Jesus Christ, for 30 pieces of silver. And so we've got this, this devil, the devil, the God of this world, that controls this world at the moment. Jesus Christ, God doesn't control this world at the moment. The keys to this world have been handed to Satan. He controls this world. He's the father of lies, the God of this world, and he's going to enter into his man in the last moments, in the last, probably within the last seven years, which which I believe is, could be imminent. It's happening now. Everything's happening. It's all going to be around the Middle East. You just wouldn't believe it, would you? It's all over just this piece of land, this tiny piece of land between the Euphrates and the Mediterranean. And that big battle is going to be there. It's called Armageddon. And the Antichrist who I was talking about, who's actually possessed by Satan himself, is going to be terrified when he gets wind that 200 million Asians are coming across the dried up river Euphrates to attack him. 200 million men at arms. And you're going to have the king of the north, which is Russia. My father used to say this war, the war, this, this particular war that's coming in the end is going to be started by the Arabs. And Russia's going to support them. It's exactly what's happening. Started by Hamas. The Iranian and Hezbollah, well, Hezbollah and Hamas are all backed by Iran. But all those Arab nations all around there, they hate the Jews' guts. They want them gone. It's just a nonsense that they, they, they want to... 99.9% of the Arabs hate the Jews. 
They want them gone. And when they're finished with, with the Jews, if they get their way, they won't, because the, the Bible says, except that the Lord intervene, no flesh would be saved. But this, if they get their way, they'll kill all the Jews first, and then they'll come after the Christians. And then when they're finished with the Christians, they'll just come after you. If you don't, if you don't turn to Islam, you'll be stuffed. I'm telling you now, it's our only hope. Our only hope is faith in that old book that you can trust. It's the only thing that there is, that is trustworthy. John chapter 17, verse 17. Thy word is truth. And we can trust it. Nothing else you can't trust. You can't trust someone telling you what it says. You've got to read it for yourself because every, the devil is so cunning. I don't know how long he's been on, on the earth for. He was cast to the earth before Adam and Eve came here. He was cast down here. That's why he got really upset when God put Adam here because God made, gave him dominion over the earth. But this was, this was the Satan's territory. And then when Adam, he had to make Adam sin so that he would lose his kingdom his kingship, he lost it when he, the day he sinned. The, lay, the day he listened, his wife was deceived, but he sinned. And that day he lost the kingdom of, of the world. And now it belongs to the God of this world, which is who? Satan. He runs this show. And that's going to happen right up. Where, right now, you, you, we are born in between when Christ went back to heaven. We're in a period known as the dispensation of grace where by faith the just shall live by faith for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord that's the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved you can trust it you can trust those words start in the New Testament start the book of John we're living in New Testament times we're getting near the end I would say the clock would be at about 30 seconds to midnight for when the Lord returns. Uh, we've got news coming up very shortly. I can hear in my ear. Uh, in the meantime, I will do... What will I do? I can't just keep yapping, can I? We'll, we'll listen to David Seymour, see what he's got to say, and then we'll have some news. And I don't think it's unreasonable to say, you know, if you have a peaceful process, we'll, we'll talk to you, but if you do all these things, we won't. That's, that's ultimately where it was. The great tragedy for most people in that protest is that there were some people who were never going to meet the criteria, and that's a real shame. Yeah, maybe a very small amount of people, but, you know, we could argue that. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm not saying it was any particular percentage. It may have been 1%. Um, yeah, but, but you know, making one, a decision 1%, like that on 1%, I mean, you're setting up unobtainable well, if, thresholds. Well, no, sorry, if, if, if 1% are harassing schoolgirls, that's 1% too many. Well, so I, think, I see you're reality. fixating on that. Okay. Um, oh, I want... No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not fixating. Well, you've mentioned uh, that just three saying... times. Three times. Well, I, I get I've, it. Also I get it. I've also mentioned blocking the buildings three times, uh, blocking the businesses three times. Should have been I've around for the Springbok tour uh, protest, uh, mate. <laughs> okay, we've got TNT Radio News coming up right now. And straight after TNT Radio News, I'll be bringing the short forecast to you, and then we'll continue on with the newspapers and see what's happening there. Um, I don't think I've got anything else I want to talk to you about. Planned retreat. I think that's what the buyout is, and the buyout with places like Murawine, just basically planned retreat. Makes you wonder whether it was a, whether it was a sort of a, a you know, the weather was directed here, doesn't it? Makes you think that. <laughs> Seems weird to me. Anyway, just gone seven, and here's TNT Radio News right now. TNT Radio News. 
For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Hundreds of foreign nationals with passports, along with worried Palestinians, are getting out, passing into Egypt after being stuck in Gaza for weeks, as Israel wages war against Hamas following last month's terror attack. But not everyone can go yet, including a U.S. citizen who spoke to Fox News. Time for the American administration to take us back home. The situation in Gaza Strip is getting worse. She's inside Gaza with her 10-year-old son. She says her son was on the list to leave through the Rafa crossing today, but that she was not. So she's not going to send him across alone with no one to meet him on the other side. In Gaza, Hamas claims Israel is hitting a refugee camp with airstrikes for a second day. It's alleged that hundreds of deaths and injuries are there. Israel says it's targeting militants operating in that camp and has killed a top Hamas commander. After weeks of pro-Palestinian protests on college campuses, the FBI arrested a suspect who they say was behind very graphic online threats to kill Jewish students at Cornell University. According to the Department of Justice, 21-year-old Patrick Dye, a junior at Cornell, was charged with posting threats to kill while using interstate communications. About 72% of New Zealand long COVID sufferers work despite having the same life quality as severe cancer and multiple sclerosis patients. New research reveals prompting calls for the Ministry of Health to offer more support. The interim results of a study found sufferers reported a high level of fatigue, brain fog, concentration loss, sleep disturbance, and sleep issues. A significant amount of the people sampled could no longer manage a 40-hour working week, experienced a 50% reduction in work hours, and 45% said their incomes declined as a result. Elon Musk spoke to podcaster Joe Rogan about fellow billionaire George Soros' funding of liberal district attorneys and their refusal to enforce laws in crime-ravaged cities. The value for money in local races is much higher than it is in national races. So the lowest value for money is a presidential race. Then next lowest value for money is a Senate race, then a Congress. And then, but once you get to sort of city and state district attorneys, um, the value of money is extremely good. And uh, Soros realized that you don't actually need to change the laws, you just need to change how they're enforced. If nobody chooses to enforce the law or the laws are differentially enforced, it's like changing the laws. During a press conference in Geneva on Friday, Ravina Shandasani, the spokesperson for the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, was asked if the Israeli bombing of Gaza in response to the surprise attack by Hamas on October 7th could be characterized as genocide. Shandasani warned that both sides in the Israel-Hamas conflict could be committing war crimes, but that it's up to an independent court to pass judgment on military actions in Gaza. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen calls it an absolute catastrophe. And once again, yet another UN human rights organization calling out the IDF, calling out the Israeli government for blatant open war crimes. When you lay siege to a densely populated area, you cut off the water, you cut off the food, you cut off communications, you cut off electricity. And then once you have these people pinned in this relatively small area, then you institute airstrikes and you target civilian neighborhoods and you target explicit target hospitals, UN shelters, UN run schools, and are killing thousands of people in the process. Latest numbers are over 8,000 Palestinians have been killed, civilians, and including in that number, 3,000 children. And that's only the beginning. Many thousands are reported as missing and not included in those numbers because they just haven't dug them out from under the rubble yet. This is an absolute catastrophe on a scale nobody expected, and hopefully that we never see again. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen.
From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at TNTradio.live. Are you a U.S. citizen? I am indeed. How's your civics knowledge? Horrible. I have no clue. What civics? Bruh. What three branches make up the government? Oh, yeah, no. I can't pass it. <laughs> what two parts make up Congress? How old do you have to be to be president? I know it's in the 50s. Who runs the executive branch? Let me look that up real quick. Who did we declare independence from? Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> Spain? Great Britain. Oh. Uh, do you guys remember the, the Giants, you know, war that we fought? No? Nobody remembers that? How many members of the U.S. House of Representatives are there? Eight. Four. Twelve. 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 435. Incredible, isn't it? They don't know much, do they, over there? I don't know. Would we be any better? Probably not in this country. Don't know. Not really. Can you... Oh, just... Honestly, it just makes my blood boil listening to Patrick Henderson. Just... It's just spreading absolute lies about what's happening on the floor there. They, Israel do not target hospitals. They do not target um, children, civilians... Uh, he's just um, just an absolute anti-Semite, really. <laughs> There's so many of them. They're just haters of God. Um, and he's mo- he was mocking the Bible too. You know, I've heard him earlier on doing that. So you know, there it is. It's you know, it's just just all par for the course, isn't it? That's what they do. The enemies of the Lord. Okay, let's have a look at weather, shall we? Let's do that. The extremes right now, Whakatani, 16.5 degrees. The lowest is Twizel, 5.1. Wellington and Lyle Bay, just 30 kilometres of wind blowing through there, but that's the windiest in the whole country at the moment. We've got that big low, though, nasty big low out over, um, I'll just see if I can find it there. There's a nasty low in the Tasman there, and that's going to sweep across the country, but I don't think it's going to be too bad for us here in New Zealand. The wettest place is, uh, is Omaru, and it's a 0.2 millimetres of rain falling in Omaru right now. Temperatures right across the whole country, it's pretty much um, just Queenstown at 7 and France Joseph at 10. Everybody else is up in the double digits, uh, and the highest up there is, of course, Wakatani. Who's, who's close to that? Let me see. No one comes close to Wakatani at the moment. Beautiful day there. Now let's look at the short forecast. It's 8 minutes past 7. And uh, that's just about my lot for the morning. And uh, so we've got the short forecast. It says in the west from Northland to Taranaki, also uh, for the central high country and or Hawke's Bay, partly cloudy with scattered showers, mainly from the afternoon, maybe some heavy, heavy falls and possible thunderstorms as well with all that warm, warm weather around the Hawke's Bay region. Uh, for the remainder of the North Island, cloudy periods, isolated showers developing this afternoon and evening. For Nelson, Buller and Westland, often cloudy with rain at times. For Marlborough and Canterbury, low cloud, fog near the coast at times, but generally fine weather pretty well everywhere else. There's a few showers developing this early afternoon, in the, uh, mainly in the inland area of Marlborough and, Can- and Canterbury. For Otago, Southland and Fjordland, partly cloudy today for you. Areas of fog or low cloud about Southland and eastern Otago this morning and patchy rain in Fjordland. Scattered showers developing this afternoon for Otago, Southland of Fjordland, and you've got some maybe quite heavy as well, and possibly thunderstorms for you there. And also for the Chatham Islands, you have cloud with occasional, just some low cloud actually, and occasional rain. Uh, that's my lot for today. Just gone, just gone, uh, what are we up to now? Just just gone seven. Uh, now what am I going to leave you with? I had a, I can't play the same song. Um, 
I've, I've actually got a whole lot of new new music. This is a new one. This is called um, Springsteen. I think it's quite new for... Oh, is it new or what? I'm not sure. I love this one, Heart Like a Truck, don't you? Lainey Wilson? What's it going to be? Eric Church or Springsteen? You know what we could do? We could try... We could try them both. We could have a little sample of it. And then I'll just decide which one I like. There's another one there by John Party too. I quite like this. You have a listen to the beginning of this if you like it. It's not bad, is it? What about this one? Perfect guy. Oh, gosh. I know I have to edit that. Don't know how that happened. So we can't do that one. Um, got Keith Urban. He's got a new song out. Let's try him. Of course, you know, Keith is born in New Zealand, then went over to Australia, Tamworth, and now he lives in, um, in the United States, been there for quite a while, in Nashville, Tennessee. We'll see you tomorrow morning, Lord willing. We drove right past that no trespassing sign. We sat on the tailgate. Watch the planes take off We thought we had all night There's no need to rush That's when those cops came pulling up And I thought Man, ain't this some Your daddy's gonna kill me But if I survive tonight I wouldn't change one thing Baby, I know it sounds crazy But there was something about the way the blue You were thinking that